Search yeah, intent yeah. is a really important part of keyword research and just mm. understanding what does the term mean? What do we think people are looking for when they put that term into Google? And can we write a piece of content that answers that question? Because that's what Google wants to do. They want to send people to a website yeah. that answer the question. Get a job. Work hard. And one day you can retire and do the things you want. That's the typical formula for daily life in the modern world. And it works for lots of people. This kind of life is perfect. But it's not for us. And I'm guessing that it's not for you either. I'm David Allen Patali. And I'm Carmen Allen Patali. And together we run the content company Red Platypus. I'm also a published fiction author. And we have two young daughters who keep us on our toes. We've both said no to well-paid jobs in favour of pursuing our creative paths. And we want to walk them with you. Freelancer, digital nomad, artist, creative, self-employed. Whatever you want to call it, if you work for yourself and want to keep it that way, or want to be free from the nine to five and don't know where to start, we want to help. We're going on a journey to speak to committed creatives, people who are all in, who have made highly successful businesses out of their creativity, and ask them how they do it while retaining the magic. Because while we think inspiration is good, we've come to learn that process is vital. Welcome to the Committed Creative Podcast, your toolkit for the creative life you want. Here's to going all in and becoming a committed creative. Today on the podcast, I talk to my dear friend, Joe, who is a fellow copywriter and runs the business Compelling Copy. Joe's somewhat of an expert in SEO and keyword research. And in this podcast, we talk about why doing customer research helps you write better copy, what you need on your website and why, how to build backlinks, why we sometimes forget to practice what we preach and how to set time aside each week to work on your business, tips for getting your business into the media and so much more. If you are looking to grow your creative business, this is the podcast to listen to. Joe has so much valuable information to share and you will get out so much from listening to the show. So without further ado, let's dive in. Okay. Hi, Joe, and thanks for coming on the Committed Creative Podcast. It's so awesome to have another copywriter on the pod. Hey, Carmen, how are you going? <laughs> thanks for having me. So I thought maybe today we'd talk a little bit about what you do and how you got where you are and mum life, because I know you're a busy mum of two as well, just yeah. like me. So um, maybe we could just get started with uh, talking about what it is you do and the clients you serve. Yeah, yeah, no worries. So I'm a copywriter, as you said. Um, I guess I specialise in website copy and content. So both writing, you know, main website pages like homepages, about pages, service pages, etc., as well as content like blog posts and, and other content. Um, I've got a real SEO focus as well as sort of, you know, customer messaging focus. So I... I do keyword research and just sort of try to bring, I like to say that I, I write copy that talks to the heart of your ideal customer and the heart of the search engine algorithms, trying to sort of bring those two together. Um, I work mostly with service-based businesses, not e-commerce businesses as much. And I don't have a real niche, though, in terms of what industry I serve. I tend to work across a broad range of industries, which I quite like. So it keeps a bit, bit, uh, bit interesting and different. Excellent. And I know that you're big on customer research. And when you work with clients, you deep dive into who their customers are and how you can speak directly to them. So could you tell me a little bit more about that process? Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's something that I've been bringing into my process 
over the last few years and it's become almost now a mandatory part of what I do. If I'm if I'm writing a full website sort of copy project for a client, um, I really want to speak to their customers. So as part of the onboarding and briefing process, you know, I'll ask my client all the questions I need to know from them about their business, but I'll also say, like, who can I talk to? Like, can you give me two or three customers that I can have a chat with? And, you know, I'll contact them, I'll, I'll jump on a Zoom call with their customers and it just gives me a chance to ask the questions to, directly to a customer because sometimes what we think our business offers or what we think our customers want in our business isn't always what they really want or what they took away as being the most important thing. So by speaking to my clients' customers, you know, that's who I'm writing for. When I write copy, I'm writing for their customers. I want to speak to their customers. So by chatting to them, I get to really dig into what motivates them, what they value about my client, what worked, what didn't, why they chose my client instead of other options they might have looked at. And it often gives me a chance to get some great testimonials as well. So I can turn what they've said to me into a testimonial. I get the that their approval and then I say to my client hey here's some testimonials we can put on the the website so it, it really helps me as you know that I do other research as well but that's a really key part of diving into what customers really want in the, in the copy that I'm writing for them um, and I also have a look at my clients competitors and the reviews that people have written about my clients competitors because again that's diving into the customer's brain and and getting some really interesting information from that. Yeah I love that so much and it's definitely something we want to offer more of. Do the clients that you work with ever feel a little bit awkward about giving <laughs> you access to their customers and a bit nervous about what they might say yeah, about I, I guess sometimes they're a bit like oh really do, do you have to speak to them and, and then when I explain the purpose of it and, and why and, and what I'm trying to achieve they're generally pretty good um, I always say to them you know get their permission and let them know I'll be in touch obviously I don't want to call these customers out of the blue and, and not have them have an idea of what's happening so generally they're giving me customers that are going to say nice things about them I don't think they're going to give me the customer where it all went pear-shaped although I'd love to speak to those customers too to be honest um and sometimes I might ask for like if, you know if they if they have a different facets to their business I'd be like can I talk to one of these customers and one of those customers so generally they're okay with it um where I've had issues I guess is like for a startup where they don't have any customers there's no one I can talk to mm. or if for whatever reason the business is just not appropriate for me to chat to the customers so in that case I might want to speak to a few different people within the team I might want to chat with not just whoever my client contact is, but if they've got a sales team or a salesperson who's that real frontline person, I'll want to speak to them as well because then I can say, well, what are your customers saying to you out there on the road when you're chatting to them? What are their biggest issues and, mm. and all of that? So, yeah, generally it's been okay. I've never had anyone absolutely refuse to let me chat to anyone, I don't think. Does it also help you understand the customer journey? So, like, when the customer comes to the website, what they're looking for and how to get the most out of the website? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it depends on the project as to what questions I'm going to dive into and Certainly, if there's a bit of a, a content strategy component or looking at the information architecture and trying to, you know, give advice and, and recommendations around that, I'll dive a lot into to that customer journey stuff. Um, because, yeah, it's certainly, I certainly want to know what the customer was doing before they came to my client's business. What was the problem they were facing? What was the solution they had in place? Had they tried other businesses, other different types of solutions and then what it was that led them to to my client what how did they find them yeah did they go to the website did someone recommend them how did they come across them and I guess what it was that got them over the line what told them that this is the right place for me to be this is the product I want this is the service I want um, and then from there what's happened since like how has things how have things changed for them has it improved 
their situation? Has it solved the problem they were trying to solve? And just sort of getting, yeah, getting that full gamut of the before, during and after of their, their experience mm. with my client. It gives me so much valuable information. And the copy kind of writes itself once I've had those conversations because it just frames it mm. all up for me beautifully. And in your experience, how do customers generally find clients or um, other businesses is it mainly through word of mouth do you find or do people generally find like what's the go these days how do people normally find other businesses like the clients that you work yeah, it really for? depends it really depends I recently wrote some copy for a like a builder carpenter and that was all word of mouth it was all recommendations mm. and certainly yep. trades yeah, seem to trades be that don't they mouth because it's hard. Mm. I, mean, I guess with trades as well, like, you know, people are like, oh, who's going to be dodgy? Who's going to be good? And so when you get that recommendation from someone you work with or from a family member or a neighbour, I mean, a lot of the clients um, that this guy had found had been neighbours of people who'd seen him working in their street and gone, oh, can you do all the <laughs> stuff we need done? So, yeah, I think I think that recommendation referral is such a valuable way for people to find you. So, But that's not going to work in all businesses. Definitely for some it will be that they've done some Google searching or you know, they've found them in another way. They've seen a Facebook ad or whatever it might be. Um, so mm. it really depends on the industry. And what's like the number one thing? Because I know people only have a few seconds. Like when someone lands on your website, there's only a few seconds you've got yeah. to get them engaged and get them staying. Mm. What would you say do they need to have up front and centre to attract that customer? Yeah, I mean, it, again, it's going to depend on the business and what they do and who they serve. But absolutely what you want on that first glance before you know anyone's had to scroll you need to say what you do you know who you do it for why you're someone that they should be booking to do it so why you're better than the others or, or what what your little edge is or what what you offer that might be a bit different mm-hmm. and unique so someone needs to know immediately they don't they don't need to land on your page and read your headline and your and the little bit that you can first see before you scroll down the website and be scratching their head thinking what does this business actually do yes. you know you need to yeah. but you need to also frame it not in a way of oh we are the greatest system we do all of this and we're this and that it's all about you know we solve your problem of this, like bring the bring the client's problem into the to the top of it. Like you know, we know you're feeling this, or or if if you're facing this or that, we do this and that to mm, solve it. So, yeah, yeah. So they can immediate relate to the pain point, absolutely. And then they can realize they're going to be able to solve it. Yeah, yeah. self-identify. Oh, this is for me. This is talking to me. Yeah, this makes sense to me. I had it recently. I I was on Instagram, and and I'm not a big. I don't do a lot of Instagram, but um. So if anyone looks at my Instagram, sorry, I don't post often, but. But I, I got caught up by like an ad or a post or something and I think the headline or the, or what it sort of caught my eye was something it was about video someone selling video courses for business people mm-hmm. like us how to mm-hmm. do how to get better at video and I'm useless at it and I think the headline was something like if you don't get video or if video you don't want to dance and point and whatever on Instagram or you know it's just whatever it was I just went oh that's me because I don't know how to do all that stuff. yeah those <laughs> yeah, reels the pointy reels <laughs> I know I need to. I'm working on it. Yeah, yeah, it's so true. And and vice versa, like I recently saw a website and I landed on the page and it was like, we're here to help transform you. And I was like, transform me. Mm. How? Like with business? With, are you going to do a home improvement? Like how, you know, and I was just like, oh, and I clicked away. Absolutely. Like what does that mean? Does. I'm not interested. Exactly. Yeah, too vague. Yeah. Too vague. Need to be gotta, to the point. Got to be specific. Right? And that comes back to the whole thing that, you know, I mean, you would know as copywriters, we, we want to say to our clients, who's the one customer that we're talking to? Because, you know, mm. like I know 
sometimes clients say, well, my customer is anyone from 20 to 60 who uh, has a pulse on a credit card. <laughs> it's like, well, that's that's not <laughs> going to help you win any work. That's just going to scattergun no. stuff to everyone. You're not going to hit anyone. And I often, when my clients struggle with that, because they do, they're like, oh, we don't want to exclude mm-hmm. anybody. So what I do to try and get that out of my clients is I say, look, if somebody came in today and said there's a new law and the law is you can only sell to one type of customer, that's it. You're not allowed to. It's the law. Have a look at all the types of customers you have. And if you had to pick one, who would it be? And that helps them narrow down as to who's the most, you know, who's the client that's most valuable to them, who's the customer that appreciates and buys and values their service the most and gets the most out of it. Um, and then we focus mm-hmm. on them. Doesn't mean we exclude the others, but we focus our message on that 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 main fish, you know, that main client that they need to serve. Mm-hmm. It also means that, they, you know, they're attracting people they actually want to work with when they focus in on the ideal customer because you want your values to align with that customer and you want to feel good working with them. And we've all had clients that, you know, didn't bring us joy. We have. We have. <laughs> so the more niche we can get, the more likely we are to attract that yeah. ideal person that actually we gel with and we want to work with and we want to collaborate with. Absolutely. And the more focused you can get on the service you're offering and who you're wanting to offer it to, both, you know, in, in our own businesses, but in the businesses we serve, if we can help them do that, it gives us the power to say no. And the power to say no is so mm-hmm. important and so valuable. Mm-hmm. I know when I started my business mm-hmm. almost seven years ago, it was like, yes, yes, anything. Yes, yes, yes. That doesn't always yeah. serve the client well as well as, you know, driving me a bit batty. Um, so now mm. I can, like I've, I've actually saw a, it, it wasn't an inquiry directly to me, but it was on a job board that I look at every now and then for job opportunities and, and there was this job and I was like, oh, that looks interesting. Yeah, I could do that. Oh, I don't know about that. But And I thought, actually, no, you're trying to focus on what you do well and, you know, don't mm-hmm. try and be everything to everybody because mm-hmm. it uh, doesn't end well, yeah. really. I definitely think that's something that I've struggled with over the years as well. And one thing that's really helped recently was that I've started listing prices on my website and now if I get an inquiry, I'm just like, check out these packages and if you still want to work with me, then let's do it. Um, but it really helps weed out those people that don't really want to pay much but expect the earth. And I feel like the less they want to pay, often the more difficult that client ends up yeah. being. It's unfortunately no. seems to go hand in hand. It, it so, does. I'm putting um, I did yeah, the same thing a few years ago and had the same thing that it could just go, there's my yeah. price, you know, there's an idea of where my prices are at. So it does weed out who's yeah. ready to make the investment and, and who's not. Because um, I think there's you know, some meme or something that goes around the internet that's something like, you know, the $500 client is like, right, you know, we really need to have all these meetings and we need to do all this and we need to just really gel and connect. And whereas the, the $500,000 client is like, yep, check sent. Thanks. Thanks for your help. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's so, so true. And also it's given me more confidence to talk about my pricing because I'm like, yep, this is what that costs. And, you know, it's in writing and I can't, yeah. neg- that, you know, it doesn't make me want to, if I'm feeling not super confident that day yeah. or maybe have a bit of yeah. self-doubt I don't suddenly lower my price because it's there and black and no, white. No, definitely. You know, so. it's, it's a really good, really good. Um, I think it's great for us as the business operators and it's great for our customers so they can get a feel for, for what's there. And, and one of the things that I'm trying to do at the moment is, yeah, look at what I can offer for those clients who maybe aren't ready to make the investment to have a copywriter do their copy for them, um, particularly because mm-hmm. I love working with small businesses. I've, I've worked with big government agencies and bigger brands, but, you know, I love working with small businesses too, but I understand not all small businesses, you know, are ready to make that investment. So I'm just, you know, trying to think yeah. what other offerings can I put out there that will still help yeah. them, but where I'm not going to suddenly undervalue my work and, and deliver something for 
far less than I really should be because yeah. at the end of the day we're in business to pay our mortgages and yeah. <laughs> you know, pay for our yeah, kids. Yeah, we're not a charity. Our classes and swimming <laughs> lessons and all those things. So. <laughs> so how did you get into the copywriting space? What's your story, your backstory? Yeah, so I my background uh, before I became a copywriter was in the marketing world. So I spent, I guess, before that about 15-ish years um, first sort of decade of my, my working career was very much in event management and, and promotion and production. So I worked on you know, lots of different events, um, firstly in Sydney, which is where I'm from, and, and then in Melbourne where I spent a few years and then moved to Adelaide almost 20 years ago now. Um, so lots of different event stuff. And then, you know, in, in private, in, in both on the event like um, supplier side as an event manager, as an event producer, um, and then moved into local and state government doing event stuff and then moved more into generalist marketing in the university sector. And as anyone who's worked in the university sector knows, they go through uh, restructures every few years or so and I got caught up in one of those about seven years ago um, and my position was made redundant and at that point I, I just I needed something flexible. I had at that point a one-year-old and a three-year-old and I just needed to, um, to find some really long-term part-time work and I was just struggling to find that mm. in the mainstream workforce so I thought well I'll mm. go it on my own I've got this marketing you know qualifications and background and I can do maybe I can do some help people with marketing and just through that I sort of stumbled across copywriting as, as a more sort of specific genre of marketing and I thought well I've always loved writing I've always been quite good at the writing I've had to do within um, you know my, my working life so maybe I'll do that so I yeah jumped into copywriting but then I sort of realized that it's very digital and, you know, I guess, I guess a lot of my working life was when digital was in its infancy. I hadn't had a lot yeah. of exposure to a lot of website stuff at that point. So, you know, I jumped in and did a bunch of courses on SEO and digital copywriting and, mm. and yeah, it's evolved from there. So I initially thought I'd be more of a generalist marketing consultant, but I've, I've really niched into website copywriting and I love it. It's great. That's awesome. So tell us a little bit more about SEO. I mean, it's yeah. such a broad subject SEO and some people listening might not even know what SEO is so maybe just for the basic basic level what is SEO for those listening who I don't really have a good understanding of it and um, how important is it when you're writing your website yeah. copy? So SEO is search engine optimization, and basically it's all about trying to get your website found on Google. I mean, on all search engines, but let's be honest, Google owns the world of search, so mm-hmm. we tend to focus <laughs> on Google. Um, so, you know, there's the answer to anything about SEO is it depends, which is really frustrating, but it kind of just is the answer. Mm. But there's three main elements to SEO. There's the technical setup of your website, and that's all about making sure the site's built well. It's it's you know allows the robot, um, the Google robots, to crawl it and, and find it and index it. Um, it loads fast, all of those sorts of things. You've also got backlink strategy, which is an important part of SEO, and that's where you're trying to get other websites to link to your website, particularly other websites that have really, you know, good authority. They're really well respected and well trusted. Mm. Every time a website like that links to your website, it sends a little signal to Google to say, hey, this website's legit. Like it's actually, you know, we trust mm. it. Um, and that's also about well interlinking your own website, like linking your blog posts together mm. when they're relevant and, and just making it all flow because it is a web, you know, that's what the, the internet is, it's that web. Um, and then the other part of SEO is your content and your, your on-page content. So that's very much where what I do and what you do, that's where we come in. And it's all about structuring the content of your pages, of every individual web page, whether it's your homepage, your about page, a blog post. It's about structuring that in a way that answers a search query. 
And so I do a lot of keyword research, mm-hmm. both for my own clients, but also for other copywriters who don't want to do it. Um, I do that part mm-hmm. for them because I'm a crazy person and I love keyword research. Um, so once you find that keyword, then you write a, a piece of content um, that focuses on that keyword to try and answer that query better than anyone else is answering it. Um, and it's about trying to get yourself ranking well for those queries and well for the type of um people you're wanting to reach so you know it's a long game and there's no guarantees in seo like having all the keywords in all the right places Mm. doesn't mean you shoot to number one tomorrow it's an ongoing Mm. building thing takes time time. but yeah but i I like it and i I don't do it well for myself to be honest with you i'm too busy doing it for everybody (laughs) it's always the way isn't it yeah yeah actually i received an email today from my business coach who was talking about sometimes the people who coach and i was thinking like this is for me as a copywriter as well. Maybe they're not the best at doing the actual thing themselves. Like football coaches, like they never really had a career as football stars, but they're really good coaches. <laughs> and there's so many examples like that where someone could be a great business coach, but maybe they're they're not really good at doing the business part themselves. And I'm like, oh, maybe that's yeah, like I- copywriting. Like I always write other people's blogs, but how often do I take the time to write my uh-huh. own blogs? You know, I'm getting better yeah. at it, but I resonate you know, with that. it's hard to practice what you preach. <laughs> yeah. I, I always say to my clients, I'm the house builder whose house is never built. So do as I say, not as I do, because I think the last yeah. time I published a blog post was 2018 and it's 2022 now. Yeah. But I'm telling you, for a year I've been saying, I'm going to get back on track with my content marketing oh, yeah. but yeah I guess we just get so busy doing what we do for others that we don't take the time to do it for yeah. ourselves but I'm 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 really trying to focus on and I know you and I you know we, we're in a, a group accountability group together where we're trying to focus on doing that work on our business because it is important but it's easy yeah. to let it slide yeah it is so I'm trying You've got to make time put yeah. it in your diary and, and honor the time that's my problem work. I put the time on my diary yes. but I never honor it because I get to it and go oh, I just want yes. to finish this thing for this client so I'm trying yeah. to get a lot stronger mm. on that got to yeah. be strict on it yeah absolutely so you mentioned backlinks mm. there when you were starting to talk about seo and uh we have a travel blog i don't know if you know that but um like daily i probably get or even multiple times a day people emailing me about backlinks so what's some non-spammy ways to build backlinks oh look i'm not a backlink expert i'll definitely say that but it is yeah it's, it's got a real bad name around because mm. yeah we all get those emails every day those real spammy emails about you know putting backlinks up so yeah I, it, it's not my area of expertise i'm all about the on-page content but i think you know th- there's things like directories and you're getting yourself listed in directories and you get the, yeah. the link there but I think the best way to build backlinks is to have really good quality content that people want to link to because, Mm. uh, well, Google says you shouldn't pay for backlinks anyway, so, you know, it's a bit of a no-no. But getting really good backlinks, getting solid, trusted, genuine backlinks because someone's read a piece of content of yours and gone, oh, I want to link to that, I want to share that, I want to tell my audience about that, Mm. that's going to be worth more than, than, you know, paying some dodgy backlink farm in wherever who might end up spamming a whole bunch of porn sites to you or something you know like, yeah yeah so true <laughs> um yeah. and then i think there's a, a amount of pr i mean i'm not a pr expert either but mm. certainly you know by getting out there I with pr like that. there's um you know getting yeah what's that uh source bottle is it the the, the and yeah help a, that's help a, great copywriter out so you know looking to see for those listening yeah. yeah for those listening who don't know what that is source bottle is um pr uh so media list on there if they're looking for an expert in a certain field and if you are that expert you can contact them and even I've found people for this podcast that way saying we're looking for creatives to come on the podcast um and being inundated <laughs> with the requests 
but uh, it's a great way to get into the media. And I feel like once you get, like, even with our travel blog, we were many moons ago on Today Tonight, and then that just led to so many other media appearances because I feel like once you get into one, they all see you as an expert in a certain thing and then they want to contact you. We ended up in the Daily Mail. They were great back then yeah. getting listed in the Daily Mail. Um, but, yeah, I reckon those media ones can really help you get ahead really fast because they have, you know, hundreds, thousands, and even millions of views a day on their website. Yeah, so, they're very valuable um, things. And because they're from, you know, those really trusted sites, they just, yeah, they really – um, do a lot and you're right I know people who've had like blogs go viral and then forever and a day they get calls from different media agencies when they need to interview someone about that topic like they just suddenly become yeah. the go-to expert on the, the thing. expert yeah. yeah so true and so in terms of SEO do you have any tools that you use that you find useful yeah yeah I use a few tools um, particularly around the, the keyword research work that I do so I mean the tools that most people might have heard of SEMrush and Ahrefs seem to be the two main top you know dogs in the SEO world um they're really good mm -hmm. very comprehensive do you have to pay to for those and those ones i think are running around 100 us a month so they're not cheap and particularly if mm. you know if you work in seo sure but if you're just doing a bit of keyword research for your own blog your own content that, that's a lot of money to pay mm. so i use a tool yeah. called kw finder um which is by an organization okay. called mangles they, they have a growing range of seo tools but i find their their keyword mm. or kwfinder.com it is I find their tool really straightforward. And I, and I found this tool because back when I was first learning SEO and, and I was looking at SEMrush and I had my trial account, I had no idea what to do with it. Like it just confused mm. me completely because I was new to SEO. It didn't make a lot of sense. Mm. I was working my way through it. KW Finder, I find their user interface is just so clear, so easy to understand, and I've stuck with it. And it's a really solid keyword research tool, so I love that tool. So how much is that one? I want to oh, say it's something yeah. like five-ish hundred a year but I it depends on the plan okay. and it's a lot cheaper than those yeah. top ones so yeah. you have to have a look at it I'm, I'm yeah. quite lucky because I jumped on their bandwagon fairly early so I've got a bit of a grandfathered rate yeah. so I, I still pay yeah. you know it's not nothing but it's um you know I, I won't be letting them go <laughs> and, um, <laughs> another tool that I use and again because I, I, I I'm a, trying to be a recovering AppSumo addict I could talk about what that is in a minute <laughs> I wasn't going to mention your addiction, but seeing as you brought it up, every time we have these accountability calls, oh. <laughs> Joe's like, oh, I put another ad on. I'm stop ad, I know. Looking through my tax for last year, I was like, oh, wow, I spend on AppSumo. Um, but I've, I've gotten some gold from there, and another one I got was this, this tool called serankings.com, which is kind okay. of like SEMrush, Ahrefs. It's an all-encompassing um, SEO tool. So I use that a bit as well, particularly I find that good for competitor research, so for digging in to see what, where competitors are ranking and what keywords they're ranking for and then whether, you know, I could try to rank for them or, or beat, beat the ranking for those keywords. But a few free tools as well that are worth looking at. There's one called answerthepublic.com, which is a tool that oh, yeah, yes. you can only get a couple of free searches a day, but, you know, you just yeah. go in and, it, you know, put in a keyword and it will shoot back it's all really the questions cool. that people have been searching for about that keyword. Yeah, I just discovered that yeah, one recently one. actually. And we were um, using it for ideas to generate ideas for a lead yep. magnet. So for Dave's uh, creative writing course, and we were, you know, asking. So basically what this tool does for anyone who's listening is that you can ask it a question and then it will generate answers around what people are asking in regards to that question or phrase or whatever. So we typed in creative writing and then we get 
all these responses as to what people are asking the internet about creative writing. So it's great for generating lead magnets because you can see what people are actually looking for. Yeah, great for content ideas. So that that's a really good one. Yeah, yeah. And there are, you know, some keyword tools out there that I think give you a free, few free searches a day. I think KW Finder might give you a couple of free searches a day. Mm. Uber Suggest is another one that people use. I was yeah. going to say, yeah, we use yeah. Uber Suggest. And yeah. I really like it. I find it really super easy yeah, to use. Yeah, it's, it's similar to um, KW Finder. It's just a really easy interface. Okay. And Uber Suggest and Answer yeah. Public are now both owned by Neil Patel. So in terms of SEO, could you explain a little bit to our audience about um, when they type in keywords and they're researching keywords, what like um, competition means and the terminology around SEO, like what results they get and what they exactly mean? Yeah, so it, it, it might differ slightly between the tools because all the tools might, you know, call it something slightly different depending on um, what they, you know, what they call it. But essentially some of the key metrics that you need to be looking for, the monthly searches per month. So that gives you an idea. So, you know, if a keyword has, say, 5,000 searches per month, if you're looking, say, in Australia, um, that tells you about 5,000 people per month across Australia are searching for that term. So obviously the higher mm. the search volume, the better in many ways. Um, mm-hmm. But that's not mm-hmm. always the, the case. So the difficulty um, and the competition, so often you'll get a cost per click um, metric from a keyword research tool, which gives you a bit of an idea of how much you might expect to pay if you were running that keyword mm-hmm. in a paid ads campaign. So if you're paying for like a Google mm-hmm. ads pa- campaign, someone clicks on your ad, you know, all the ads that sit at the top of the search result page before you get to those nice organic ones, which is what SEO is about. Yeah. Um, so if someone clicked yeah. on it, they'll pay this much. And that's, again, just a bit of a guideline to say the higher people are willing to pay for this keyword, the more valuable it might be. And mm-hmm. I guess the people who are spending money, they've probably done a bit more research around what I'm willing to spend money on. So, um, and then you'll get a, a difficulty ranking. Now, again, that will differ from from tool to tool but in KW Finder they give you a score from 0 to 100 to give you an idea of how Mm. difficult it might be to rank for that keyword so um, in KW Finder pretty much anything from about 0 to 30 is where I like to find keywords anything over 30 Mm. like 30 to 40 I still might try to rank for them or recommend them Mm. if I think you know I'll have have a look at what else is ranking for that keyword see whether I think we could write something better once you start going over for KW Finder 40 and above and particularly 50 and above, it's almost like don't bother. It's probably who's ranking for it is got a really high domain authority, which I'll explain in a moment. Um, you know, the, the top five or ten ranking websites might be, you know, really hard to compete against. So let's find a different mm. keyword in the same sort of topic and, yeah. and write a piece of content around that. So domain authority is another metric that's worth looking at. Um, So you can look up your own website's domain authority. I think mine's about 12 out of 100 at the moment. But then if I'm trying to rank a keyword against a website that has a 90 out of 100 domain authority, it's going to be quite hard. (laughs) But it's not impossible. I rank number one for my brand name, Compelling Copy in Australia, which ranks against the likes of HubSpot and and other really big websites. Mm. took me a while to get there, though. I think it took over a year. And I certainly wouldn't rank if you search Compelling Copy in America. I wouldn't be there, but in Australia yeah. I do. So there's lots of things that go into selecting the right keywords and it's not always mm. the right, the top search volume because sometimes you're better off finding what we call a long-tail keyword. So instead of, say, mm. looking for copywriter, 
that's going to have a huge amount of search volume, um, lots of people looking for that mm. word. But when someone types in copywriting, you don't really know what they're looking for. Do they want to be a copywriter? Are they looking for a copywriter? Do they want somebody to um, legally help them with copyright law, which is a lot of inquiries mm. we get because people can yep. use the two. Yeah, people don't understand what copywriters <laughs> yeah. do. Yeah. So, you, you know, <laughs> a better term of like a copywriter to help me with my website, like that term is probably going to have maybe five people a month searching for it. But mm, those five people mm. are looking for what you do. So search yeah, intent yeah. is a really important part of keyword research and mm. just understanding what does the term mean? What do we think people are looking for when they put that term into Google? And can we write a piece of content that answers that question? Because that's what Google wants to do. They want to send people to websites yeah. that answer the question. And Google might rank you for a bit for, for a keyword, but then if you're content doesn't answer the question and people don't stay on your page that they sort of bounce right off because they go oh this is not what I wanted Google will drop you back down the ranking so you know it's not like I said everything in SEO is it depends that there's no absolutes but at the heart of it and this is why I love keyword research at the heart of it it's about trying to understand what your customers want and delivering what they need Mm. the information they need so you know to me it's just so, so in lo- aligned with what we do as copywriters anyway. It's all about understanding mm, the customer. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned that compelling copy, you're now ranking oh, really well, highly I for it. So how, how did you get there? Oh, I, I, like, do you have any quick wins or any, I mean, you told me it took a year, so probably not a quick win, but um, what, what are some things that, you know, people listening to this podcast might be able to do to improve their website so that they rank um, more highly for certain yeah. keywords. Look, I, I think I'm ranking for it because it is my brand name. It's my URL. It's mm. obviously on every page of my so website. So it's everywhere. Um, and yeah. so it took, it took time. It didn't happen. I didn't press go on my website and I ranked for it the next day. Um, so I think for that particular search term, that, that was just, you, you often search, you often will rank for your brand, but you want to rank for your brand. Um, in fact, I would say that's mm. the first thing you want to rank for, even though in the beginning of your business, no one's searching for your brand. And when people search the term compelling copy, they're not looking for me. Um, but I want to know that those people who are looking for me, cause they've heard about me, someone's referred me, I've met them in a networking yeah. event when they go back to Google and go, oh, that, yeah. that woman, compelling copy, that they're going to find me. Cause there's nothing more frustrating when you put mm. a business name in Google and you don't get the business back so be mindful of that when you're choosing a business name are there a lot of other businesses with mm. that same name we sometimes get confused for platypus you know, oh, shoes. Yeah, yeah obviously red platypus different, is different but, but if they're looking for red platypus shoes yeah, then sometimes it comes up yeah, so that's something great. to consider with your brand name and <laughs> yeah. obviously my brand name sometimes i think if i'd known a bit more about seo at the time maybe i would have gone for a different yeah. name because every man and their dog is yeah i definitely wouldn't have, wouldn't have yeah. chosen red <laughs> yeah, everyone writes the blog about getting <laughs> copy and if, if yeah if you've got a competitor if you've got a red platypus shoes but so, yeah, so that's your brand name. But I guess in terms of winning other content wins and, and trying to rank for other keywords, um, it, it, it again, it depends. Um, certainly keeping the content on your website fresh, you know, publishing mm. blogs. You'd have to publish a blog every week. If yes. you don't have anything to say, don't force it. But regularly no. publish new content onto your blog and, and look for keyword mm. content. Look for content mm-hmm. driven by keywords. Mm-hmm. But, um, but also, yeah. like, People often ask me, oh, what about near me searches? Like, you know, dentist near me. And they think we've got to put that in the headline, put, make the headline dentist near me. Well, no, that's not, that's not how near me searches work. Near me searches, <laughs> I'm going to get that a lot. Um, near me searches are becoming obviously very, very common these days. We're all out on our phones searching yeah. for stuff. Very common voice search term. But it's driven very much by the Google My Business page, which I think is now called your Google Business Profile. It's changed recently. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's just changed. 
Um, But having, you know, having it for starters, so making sure you register a good business profile and Mm -hmm. and keeping it quite optimised, like actually interacting with it. It's almost like its own social media platform in and of itself. You can post things there. You can put photos there. Making sure your business hours are kept up to date. Making sure when there's a public holiday, you you, you put a note to say we're not going to be open or or whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. Because the more you do on your Google business profile, the more chance you have of getting into those local searches, those near me searches. Mm. Um, also having your business address and you've got to make sure your name, address and all of that is the same across your digital platform, your digital footprint. Mm. So just mm. keeping that stuff in mind. Um, so, yeah, but Google my business for local search. If, if you're a business that, you know, is a brick and mortar business with a shop front, definitely having all of those local search signals through your Google my business profile, being on Google Maps, which is now what it's connected mm. to. Um, yeah. You know, that's really important. And the other thing that can really help you optimise your Google business listing, profile listing, whatever they call it now, is getting Google reviews from your customers. I was yeah. about to say, yeah. So asking them definitely at the end of every project, yeah. send an email to your customers saying, yeah. could you give me, and not just could you give me a Google review, could you give me a five-star Google review? I asked for a five-star review. It's a bit cheeky, but yeah. I've done yeah. <laughs> you know, If they want to give me four, yeah. then that's up to them. I would hope that they've had a conversation with you first if something's gone wrong. <laughs> But, yeah, you know, give them the link. Google makes it easy for you to just give them the link. They can click on it straight away. I really want my clients to also do a profile, like a review on LinkedIn and a review in a few other places. But Mm. Google is my number one. Mm. If they're only going to do it in one place, I want it on Google because that helps my rankings. Yeah. I've been a bit slow on that bandwagon but finally got onto it this year and have been getting some good reviews and, yeah, I think it definitely helps us search, Yeah, it it does. And I must admit I've slacked off a bit lately as well in my, my Google business listing like everything but you know the builder whose house is never built but do as I say and it's a really important tool particularly for those local businesses who want to get search results who want to be in that local pack you know when you search for dentist mm-hmm. near me you get that listing with the map and it's a listing of the local it's called the local pack you want to be in there definitely at the very at the bare yeah. minimum I think just list it on google and so tell me a little bit because i know you've got two kids as well and you mentioned that you started the business when they were one and three so tell me a little bit about the juggle how do you manage the busy household how old are your kids and what is the day in the life of joy look like oh my goodness i don't know if i do manage it half the time but um <laughs> my kids are now it's a, it's it's a, a struggle. struggle although I, my a friend and fellow copywriter angela denley you know, she speaks about the juggle, not the struggle. You know, you've got to juggle it, but try not to mm. struggle with it. And I love that. I try to keep that in mind mm. when I am yeah. in one of those yeah. weeks where Be the positive. kids are me nuts and work is full on and it's all yeah. too much, you know, juggle, not struggle. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so my yeah. kids are now yeah. seven and nine. Um, so in a way it's gotten a bit easier as they've gotten older because they're in private mm. school now. Um, mm. you know, they, they don't need me as much. I mean, right now, as I said to Carmen before we jumped on, it's school holidays here. So they are loving mm-hmm. me sick today because I've been doing a bit of work and they are on their iPads and they think it's the best thing ever. So they do get these days where they get to have a bit more screen time that I'd normally allow. But, hey, that's that's how you juggle it sometimes. Mm. So it yeah. is the juggle yeah. um, and it can be very hard at times. But I find as I'm getting more, I guess, matured into my business and the kids are getting a bit older, um, it's getting somewhat easier, but I'm trying to be a lot more disciplined. So back in the early days, you know, when they were little and they weren't sleeping well and all of that, like I would work, I did a lot of all-nighters, a lot of weekends. I was always mm. exhausted as you are with young children anyway. Mm. Now mm-hmm. that, you know, that stuff has settled down a bit, I try to be really strict because that school day goes so quickly, you know, that drop off at nine and pick up my yeah. three, it goes really quickly. So I try to be very disciplined in my work day and I try to, you know, plan my day. I know what I've got to do. I need to get it done by three. Um 
because I, I will work at nights and weekends if I have to, but I don't enjoy it. And I find at the end of the day, no. like school mummy is so busy, like with all the after school activities and all the birthday mm. parties and the sports, this and the, this and that. Running it's, around. You know, it's exhausted by, by the evening. So, but you yeah, know, you've yeah. got to be flexible. And, and part of why, you know, I know both of us work for ourselves is that flexibility we get. So I can yeah, supervise the school definitely. excursion because my boss will give me the day yeah, off because yeah. she'll plan a work around yeah. it. That's kind of cool. <laughs> um, but also, like, we're in the middle of the school holidays here in Adelaide right now. I worked the whole weekend that's just gone because my husband was home, so he mm. could sort of deal with the mm. kids. Um, so that this week yeah. when I'm home with them and he's at work, I I was able to have yesterday off completely. I'm working today. I'm taking tomorrow off to take the kids out for a day. So yeah, you've just got to be you've got to be organised, which I'm not always that great at. Yeah, and just plan ahead, you know, because <laughs> things come up yeah. very quickly. So. Yeah, but it is a juggle, but it, it's why it's my yeah. why. You know, everyone says, what's your why? And my why is yeah. that I wanted to be flexible yeah. for the kids and I, I'm yeah. very grateful that I can be. Do you ever have issues with mum guilt? Because I know for me, when I'm working, I feel like I need to be with the kids and then when I'm with the kids, I feel like I need to be working and often it's a struggle, don't want to use yeah. that word again, but it, it's one thing that I've tried to work on my mindset a lot around the mum guilt thing and, you know, let go with that. But, yeah, yeah I do still sometimes have my days where I do oh, feel guilty. Definitely. I think mum guilt is something that hits you regardless of whether you work for yourself or whatever you do. You always feel like you're not doing anything well. Um, mm. And, you know, I guess, mm. you know, like you would know and many of your listeners would know when you work for yourself and you work from home, you're always at home and you're always at work and there's never much of a break between mm. them. So, um, yeah, I think my mum guilt was probably worse when they were a little bit younger um you know when they're so needy and and it is so hard to tell a yeah. two-year-old oh not right now darling mummy's got to get this out to the clients um and you know yeah. you're in the you're in the, the the throes of those really early years whereas I've sort of I feel like I've reached that next stage a little bit but bigger kids still need you they need you in a different way and in, and in a way yeah. they need you to be yeah. more intuitive about what they need because that mm. they, they can close off very quickly so I, I just I really try to balance the two. I try to keep my work day to the school hours as much as I can. Doesn't happen a hundred percent of the time. Um, and I try to build in things to do with my kids. Like I have this thing where I give my kids two days off each a year. I call it their RDO. They I've got two kids. They get a day off each, so that's four days for me. Um, it's a day where they just get to do what they want with me. It's a it's a mummy and me day. No brother or sister. You know, no school. We just both have a day off and. And like I played laser tag with my son oh, last that. time, which was which was weird but fun. Um, and my daughter and I had like she wanted to. I let them pick within reason. It's not like an absolute yes day, but it's a what do you want? And let's see if we can make it happen. <laughs> so my daughter wanted to have. She, she's a big fan of all was at this stage of Fancy Nancy, and there's a Fancy Nancy book oh, there. Yeah. Like she has a day spa day. So we oh, went and got our hair cuts, and I bought like face masks, and we put the cucumbers over our eyes, and had a little day spa day at home. So. Um, that I do those days in a way to alleviate my mum guilt a bit. Um, and I just, you know, my kids are big enough that I can reason with them a little bit and just say, look, if you can just get yeah. on with this this morning, mummy will get her work done and then we might go do something fun or, yeah. But it's, yeah, it, I don't think mum guilt ever goes away no matter what you do. No. Well, you're doing a great <laughs> you. job, Jo. You should be very proud. And thanks so much for coming on the show today. It's been such a pleasure. You're very to welcome. Thank you so much for having me. It's been great to be part of it. I hope you got out a lot from that episode. I sure did. And if you want to follow Jo, you can find her on her website, compellingcopy.com.au or on the socials on Instagram, she's compelling underscore copy and on Facebook, she's compelling copy. Until next time, here's to going all in on your creative pursuits.
Thank you for listening to the Committed Creative Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode and learned at least one thing that will help you stay on the creative path. If you liked it, please subscribe as there's plenty more to come. And we'd love it if you could leave us a review if you found the podcast worthwhile. And if you didn't, please send us your feedback. We're all ears. You can check us out online at redplatypuscreative.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at redplatypuscreative. Remember, you are not alone in your creativity and you can make money from your creative pursuits. See you next time when we speak to another creative mind that's committed to making their way work. Here's to going all in and becoming a committed creative.